Hi, India. Hi, Nelly and Creepsters. This episode is called Knowing Your Energy with Nelly Resnick. Nelly is an amazing psychic medium. She's located at Mika, Brooklyn, which is a really cool wellness center. Anyone that is in the tri-state area or is visiting New York anytime soon, please, please go visit Minka, Brooklyn. It is so cool. They have so many amazing services and it's just, it's a really cool place. And also to let you guys know, I will be putting up information or some type of link to guide you guys to Minka Brooklyn Wellness Center just in case anyone wants to go and visit there it's an amazing place I've been also had a reading with Nelly and she is the real deal like she was really really awesome and I learned so much in our session and everything that we had talked about has come true like I'm not even joking we even talked about <laughs> this podcast right before I started my first episode so um, with further ado Nelly would you like to start off the episode with letting the creepsters know how you got started where you went to school to study psychic mediumship and just your journey and path leading up to becoming such an amazing psychic medium yay thank you <laughs> so I did study at the Lisa Williams is in Lilydale, New York, but I've actually mostly studied with a woman named Lee Van Zyl in New Jersey, and she owns the Montclair Psychic School there, and so I just want to give her a shout out because she's amazing. So what happened was that I have always been a medium, I think. I've always had the ability to connect, but I actually didn't realize that that was the case until several years ago when someone really close to me passed away and it was through the grief process that you know I don't know with other people's experiences with grief maybe other people can relate to this but it's where you know sometimes when you're going through the grief process or when you are just so upset about things you no longer have the ability to like lie to yourself because all of your energy is just kind of going towards you know just survival maybe or just uh just being okay that's when my connection just got really intense and i started to have dreams with this person who passed away i was also pretty skeptical i think a lot of uh, people are and that's i think normal so i basically after this happened it was kind of a five or six month period where you know i for example, one night I had a dream where I downloaded a really specific podcast episode of this comedy podcast that I used to listen to. And so I did it in Waking Life, and it turned out they were talking a lot about meditation in that episode, and I didn't know how to meditate. And so I started to do that. And basically, I don't want to bore you, but long story short, um, it was just kind of led like little by little, you know, to like researching mediumship. I'd never heard of it before. And I found this podcast through chance, but I believe spirit actually kind of, you know, sent it to me, but uh, that had mediums on and I didn't know what to expect, but listening to it, I found that I could actually like relate to the mediums when they would talk about themselves and their childhoods and everything like that. And so I began to suspect 
that maybe something else was going on with me. But I felt, you know, I hate to use the word crazy, but I, that's how I felt. You know, because often when people are grieving, symptoms can be similar to, like, psychosis. And so I thought maybe that's what was happening. I don't know. But anyway, I, I went to a medium myself about five or six months after my friend passed. And, you know, it was just very real. It was very, you know, it wasn't just general information. She was even able to get kind of like how he slouched and just the way that, like, just the essence of, of him as a person. And um, that really kind of started it all. I, you know, began meditating with the angelic realm after that, which I didn't believe in, but <laughs> I did it. Um, and, you know, then I found Lisa's school uh, and found that, you know, I was able to get accurate information that was specific and didn't make sense for me to know. Um, and then for the past several years, really, I've been developing as a medium more and more because a lot of people don't realize that it's really like like a muscle that you build um, instead of just something that you you're either born with or not. It's it's something that you develop. So um, yeah, I mean, I I think of it kind of as like um, you know, someone people sometimes ask me like if I think that everybody is a, is a medium um, or a psychic or has that ability. And I think of that question almost like when people ask, is everybody an artist? You know, it's like yes and no. It depends on how you look at it. Um, everyone can make art. Probably not everyone can, you know, make art that's going to hang at the MoMA, you know, or playing for the NFL. It's like, you know, you can teach anybody how to, like, play football um, in a basic way, but there has to be, like, a specific mix of I don't know genetics and drive and luck weird ability uh, and training to be able to play for the NFL so that's kind of how I think of like mediumship it's like everyone has it to an extent I don't think everyone's able to do readings at the level that I do them but I do think that anybody can develop their psychic muscle or their intuition um, or their connection to spirit on their own yeah I didn't know that either I thought that it was people were born with it and they either tuned it out or accepted it and it would just flow naturally but it makes sense that you have to kind of like build it up and and practice that's really cool I Mm -hmm. um so do you think you said that you didn't really not discover it but realize it until you were older what are some signs Mm -hmm. of when you were younger now looking back because when we had a session, you told me that I was psychic. And weirdly enough, since then, two different people have told me I was psychic too. And mm-hmm. I look back on my childhood and I realize some things that happened when I was younger. And now I'm looking back on it. I'm like, oh my gosh, like... Did I see things back then or did I know certain things or did I have feelings and just kind of brushed mm-hmm. it off because an adult basically told me, no, you you were imagining things or something like that. So when you were younger, now that you're older and you are basically owning these abilities, do you remember any encounters with uh, spirits or anything? Yeah, so first of all, I just want to say that your experience, I think, is really common. I think a lot of children exhibit really high signs of psychic ability, and then it gets shut down, and through just, 
you know, uh, cues from society, from adults, from their parents, they learn very quickly that it's not acceptable, you know, like, right. yeah, and, and they just shut it down. I mean, I think it's out. similar with, like, creativity or with, you know, a lot of kids like to gender bend, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. and that gets, that gets shut down as well. So I think it's really similar to that. As far as me, I've heard other mediums say that they saw, like, you know, spirits and stuff when they were little, you know, or got really specific information from a grandpa or something. I never had that. But for me, it was that I was a very strange child. And I'm not just saying that. I, my mom tells me that I was very weird. And that when other kids were like playing with each other, playing with, with toys and everything, I could just sit there by myself talking to myself and just playing with sand for like two hours straight and you know which doesn't prove that I was psychic I'm not trying to say that but it's more like it was all uh, cumulative when I look back at it I also had like imaginary friends which I know a lot of kids do but honestly yeah. I think a lot of the time kids imaginary friends are not imaginary sorry to scare everyone but um <laughs> and I at night I'd have a lot of trouble sleeping because I kept I remember that I kept saying that I had people in my room oh my god when I was little and I couldn't sleep um, and no one believed me obviously um, I just thought I had a really wild imagination but looking back I don't know that that's what it was but I think for me as a kid I was just very very sensitive and I would have really vivid dreams where I'd have visitations sometimes I'd have nightmares you know and uh, now looking back like I still remember some of those dreams that I had which you're not supposed to remember dreams from when you were like five or six years old or even like 13 years old, you know? So um, I've since learned that, you know, one of the signs that is in a dream, it's a visitation from spirit people, is that you remember the dream, like unless it's a recurring dream, you know, or something that's very mm -hmm. traumatic, uh, you're not really likely to remember your dreams. But if it's a spirit visitation you'll remember like every single detail after afterwards uh even years down the line and so so things like things like that would happen but i'm sure there was more and i just don't remember i shut it down i don't know yeah I'm, and i'm also um very empathic i've since learned how to kind of create boundaries for myself that that isn't something that i was uh, born with and so i think the thing that would happen the most often is that i would feel other people's feelings in my body and to me it just registered as anxiety but it was actually just other people's energy and when I learned how to set boundaries or how to work with energy the anxiety just went away but that's something that was a big thing for me from like childhood and um and older so did you when did you realize you were an empath and and also what are some boundaries that you set? Because I think a lot of people out there don't realize that they're empaths. I, mm -hmm. I know I am, but I don't know about, I don't know how to control them sometimes. It could be mm -hmm. anything. If someone told me about someone that passed and it was really, really traumatic, I, I don't, I would feel for that person and then just want to know Mm -hmm. what happened and like their family and like it and it it will affect me so bad or like if someone is really nervous
this around me or has like a bad energy around them i feel that and it'll it'll affect me for it can affect me for days and i'll know exactly where it came from but i wouldn't be able to explain it to people so could you let the listeners know some of the ways you control it Mm -hmm. and when you notice it and how you catch it yeah so I think first to answer your question about like when I knew I was an empath I think there wasn't like a specific moment or anything I think it was just like while I was kind of realizing that maybe I was psychic maybe it was a medium some point I learned about like being an empath and I realized I was that and I think when I first was starting to do mediumship I assumed that you know all the things that we were talking about like with me um, being really sensitive as a kid and always like feeling feelings in my body and everything I assumed that was from the spirit world and then I realized when I did an exercise in in one of the classes um, that had to do with feeling other people's auras, I realized that all of that nervousness was actually just other people, the energy of other people that I was feeling. And, you know, I think another thing is that a lot of people are empaths. I think most people are. Right? I think that some people, well, a lot of people are more sensitive and more in tune with it or can just, are more just sensitive to it, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a spectrum. Like, I think most people are empathic to a degree, but I think for some people it can be really debilitating. And I think the same with psychic ability. Everybody's psychic. I mean, we're all reading each other all the time. It doesn't have to be a big deal. It's just to the degree, you know? Yeah, so how I was able to control... I actually teach a class for empaths for anyone in New York, but I think uh, one of the, the, the biggest things is learning what your own emotions are and what your own energy and what your own soul feels like and learning how to tune into that frequency so that when something is someone else's, you can actually recognize that it's not yours. I think uh, the other thing is just tuning in with like, what do you subconsciously feel is your role in the world? If you over-identify with being an empath or you feel responsible for other people and their feelings and everything, then even if intellectually you know you're not responsible for people, but subconsciously you feel like you are, your energy is going to start, is just going to absorb everything and and take it on as its own. So, I mean, the, the thing is, like, we're all constantly training our energy all the time. And so if you don't talk to your energy, if you don't tune in with it and start to command it with your aura, then it's going to do what it thinks is best, which might be to absorb everything that's going on around it instead wow, of staying boundaries. Wow, that's a good way to, now that you put it, like, kind of control and guide your energy, like, most people don't think about that. Yeah, it's not something you learn um, in the fifth grade or anything, you know, within gym class. Yeah. But it's really important, and I think I'm just going to give, like, what, just one really simple example of what to do, but there's a lot of different methods. You know, the class I teach is three hours called Tools for Empaths, Owning Your Energy. And then, so this is, like, a really small part of it, but just grounding your energy, you know, imagining roots growing from your knees down to the very center of the earth, you know, absorbing thing that isn't yours, you know, and then thanking her and, and, and sending healing as well. And then clearing your aura either through, you know, whatever you resonate with. You can imagine like water flowing through it, a, a, a really bright light passing through yourself, you know, whatever method you like to clear with. And then talk to your energy or tune in with your aura 
and imagine, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a cube of, of mirrors, whether it's a pyramid, whether it's like a force field, but just telling it what to do and setting the intention to not pick up on anything throughout the day and doing that like, you know, twice a day or something like this. And then there's just really simple things too. I mean, it's also just what do you subconsciously consent to? So, you know, just throughout the day even being like, whatever isn't mine is going to fall away from me right now and just commanding it to do that. That's like a really simple, easy way to, to, to do it. But yeah, it's, um, I love teaching that class. I think a lot of people really benefit from it. Yeah. It, I can understand why when you think of it, we're mm-hmm. just a ball of energy. So to think that we're not yeah. taught when we're younger, which would probably save us from a lot of things growing up. <laughs> It's just so beneficial Mm -hmm. to us, and especially when we get older, we have all these adult responsibilities, and we have to be around other adults, some people more than you are around Mm -hmm. your family, so, and a lot of times you don't know people, you don't, you know, and what they do, but you go home with that not knowing, and I think it can, it can affect your mood. And people don't know, you know, to even go down a rabbit hole, it's like when you think of depression and anxiety, sometimes it's, is it from someone else that day or it's just, it's so deep. People don't realize how energy transfers from another person. Yeah, exactly. And I would even say, you know, it's not just from strangers or people, you know, you mentioned family members, but you can absolutely pick up energy from family members or even people you love and like and it's not always bad energy I don't like you know putting or categorizing emotions or categorizing energy into good or bad I think it's just over simplifying you know but sometimes it's just denser sometimes it's just you know it's it's also Mm -hmm. you have to feel a resonance with it in order for it to stick to you you know and so 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 Yeah. yeah I mean it can really kind of come from from anywhere and and it's not even like you're being attacked or you know or it's anything bad you might even be talking with a friend who you really want to help who's maybe going through a hard time and that's something that you know we should do as people is help each other but you might kind of take on that energy as your own if you don't realize um, that that's what's happening Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you want to add anything else about energy and empaths? That was really good. I didn't expect first to touch on that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'll just say that I really feel that way about psychic ability as well, that it's something that we're not taught that we all have. And I think people think of psychic ability in a really simplistic way as well. You know, that it's something that like, oh, you see the future, but it's actually that you're able to read energy. Um, And then that opens it up so much more and makes it so much more magical because that's what makes it real, you know. And I think, you know, it's I I also teach a psychic development class. Oh, yes. I I actually want to take that class. I hope you do. Yeah, I'm definitely (laughs) going to take that. I mean, yeah, we, we just taught it. I, I teach it with my co-teacher, Manu Del Pret, who's a Reiki master. And it's a two-day class. And by the end of it, I mean, we just taught it last weekend. 
by the end of it, the last exercise they do is blindfolded readings where they don't know who is sitting in front of them and they don't receive verbal feedback. And every single one of them was able to deliver accurate and specific information that was useful to the person they were reading. Um, I mean, this was a particularly good class, like good group of people, but you know, none of them were expecting to be able to, to do that. And so it was really amazing. But I think like really what I love about psychic development and about even teaching the empath class is the empowerment aspect of it. Um, and I, I, I actually hate the word empowerment because I think it can sound a little bit condescending. But um, but I think really I would say like just uh, supporting and watching people kind of coming into their own power and and yeah, discovering how powerful they are. And so, you know, when you really learn how to like kind of harness empathic ability can really become like a human lie detector you know like when and and it's a really powerful thing when you can just like see through people's bullshit because you're able to like really pick up on things you know and so I think that's the other thing is like getting out of victim mentality about just these kinds of things in particular and being able to really like harness harness the ability into like a real gift. I think it's really amazing. Is it distracting? You just said being able to see through people's bullshit. Does that get distracting? Like when you're, let's say you're having a conversation with someone and you can kind of pick up <laughs> on, is that distracting to you? How does, how does that work and how does it make you feel? Um, yeah, that's an interesting question because mm-hmm. I think what it, the assumption there is that I pick up on stuff that I don't want to. And actually, I used to pick up on way more back when I didn't realize I was psychic and I didn't have any boundaries. And now I really, when I'm with someone, I can just kind of, like, and we're not in a reading or they're not consenting to be read. I can, I'll just pick up on enough for me, you know, like for what's relevant for me, like, basically just do I want to talk to this person or not and just simple basic stuff that's just like on the surface but I'm not necessarily Mm -hmm. picking up on all this like you know uh, really intense Mm -hmm. details about them or their lives that they're not consenting Mm -hmm. to you know that would be it would be distracting if Mm -hmm. if that were the case but I'm, I'm also just not that interested in people's stuff to be honest (laughs) and so I don't pick up on it you know we really we get so much intuitive information throughout the day just like we get a ton of information through our physical senses throughout the day and then we filter like most of it and I don't think I'm an, an exception really I think I'm just more aware of it than other people I'm not like talking to people I'm getting distracted by anything I'm feeling really that's good I was gonna (laughs) say that must be like interesting every day to wake up so before you were able to filter out was it confusing to you sometimes probably I think what it is before I learned to filter it out I didn't know I was psychic and so I didn't know that the stuff that I was picking up on or when I would get tired really quickly you know or just um, feeling a lot of sensations or feeling like different moods all the time I didn't realize that it just wasn't mine so I didn't it didn't occur to me that it was like confusing or you know anything other than I didn't know you know you only know how you are 
so I didn't have anything else to compare myself to. I knew I was very sensitive, but I didn't know that I was like, you know, sensitive to energy or that I could, you know, pick up on psychic information. Wow. That's a, that's so amazing. And here we are. People mm-hmm. are out there that are very sensitive and like you said, everyone can be psychic, but to those that are very sensitive and, mm-hmm. and don't know and they just are out there in a world mm-hmm. not know mm-hmm. what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really um I love that you're doing this because it's such a taboo topic and I think most people are skeptical, I think. But it, it it seems to me that most people I meet are kind of agnostic about it. Like they're interested. They don't automatically believe, but I think that's great. And then I think also because of what I do and because I say publicly what I do, people kind of share their private experiences with me or their private thoughts that they, they, they don't talk about with most people. And I think like more people have these experiences than 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 people talk about, you know? And so, you know, you, you don't really know who's listening to, to your podcast on any episode and, like, just really being like, oh, thank God they're talking about this, you know? Yeah, it's, I, I, I feel it. I know it, it has to be. I'm pretty sure every single person in this universe has dealt with being, having some type of, feelings of being an empath or psychic throughout their lives it's just life happens to us and as we get older I think it just gets you know we kind of just learn how to ignore it and accept that the unknown is the unknown you know when it's really not like it's it's out there I mean, we don't know everything, but we, you know, we, we're human beings. Like, we we come from somewhere, you know? So, I think that's, this is so cool. I'm glad that you mentioned mm-hmm. that because with this podcast, I want to bring yeah. awareness to things that we as humans experience every day mm-hmm. and have no idea what's going on because we've never been educated. And it's just, it's. It's really sad. It explains a lot about us, you know? So I think that's really cool. What are some other interesting things about being a psychic medium that you would like to add? Um, Every medium is psychic. Not every psychic is a medium. Yeah. Why is that? Um, Because mediumship is on a slightly higher vibration. And so being psychic, in the way that I'm using that term at least, is really about connecting to like our our level of vibration. So other people and their auras, you know, spaces sometimes, uh, past, present, future, Mm -hmm. things like that. And mediumship or connecting with spirit is on a higher vibration. Um, And you use your psychic senses to do mediumship. So it's not very difficult to be able to do both. But uh, some people have psychic channels and are pretty psychic, but they're not, it's not as easy for them to do mediumship. I get that. That makes sense. So the higher the frequency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or to feel into their auras or, you know, yeah. But, you know, I mean, in terms of um, doing readings or doing something like scrying or, you know, anything else, it's not about the these are all tools i mean people use tarot a lot now i sometimes do flower readings um you know people do tea leaf readings or read coffee grounds 
And it's not that the magic is in the coffee grounds. I mean, you can read um, wax, you know, um, uh, sometimes lately um, because I have a ceiling fan. When people come over for readings, um, I'll light a, I'll have a candle lit, and by the end of their reading, the wax will have melted in such a way that I'm able to like read it psychically for them, and it has to do with them and not me. But it's not about the tool. Like that's just a tool. It all comes from people's psychic ability. The 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 key really with with any of it is like you can use it for inspiration or for it to trigger like psychic information or the start of it but it's not like it contains psychic information itself does that make sense so it's just a tool yeah it's just a tool okay got it and what is flower reading uh flower readings it's you know it's just something i do sometimes because it's cute but basically you know everything has energy and flowers are alive so what you do with flower readings is that you have the person who's getting the reading, hold a flower for, you know, a few seconds up to a minute, and you have them just kind of, like, talk to it and put their energy into it and just hold it for a bit. And then they will hand the flower over to me or to whoever is doing the flower readings, and the reader should be able to pick up on psychic information about them from the flower. So, yeah, it's, it's a really, like, kind of nice and different thing. How do spirits look and sound to you as a medium? Okay, yeah. So I think people assume that I'm able to, or that if it's real, that that I'm able to see spirits and hear them as though it's you and me talking, you know, and that's not really the, the case. I'm able to tune into a frequency where I, I can sort of feel and and emotions, but it's, it's really, and, and I also have a knowing about things, but it's basically... It's those four channels that spirit can use to kind of paint a picture or story for me. I like to tell people that mediumship is kind of like a game of charades, broken telephone and Pictionary all at the same time. And so it's not really like a direct communication, but, you know, it, it usually starts off with like a first impression that doesn't always make sense, like an image of something or just a feeling or a sensation. And I just have to say that out loud in order to start building the link mm. and really get like a, a specific and detailed story out of it. So, yeah, I don't know if that helps answer the question, but that's basically how spirit communication works for me. That's really, that's really cool. So it's kind of like having one of those old school radios mm -hmm. where it's different channels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. That's kind of, um, you know, you're tuning into like a specific frequency of a, of a soul or whatever it is. Um, but, it, and it's also not scary. I think people assume that it's scary or intense and it's not. That's really good to know. Yeah, people, anything unknown or has to do with the afterlife, people equate that to being <laughs> scary. Because, you know, they don't know or yeah. they're skeptic about it. That's really, really cool to know. And mm -hmm. what is the afterlife to you, like mediumship journey? Mm -hmm. What have you gathered from spirits, how the afterlife is and what it is? Yeah, so I mean, you know, I still don't know everything. I feel like I have insight, but I don't know. I don't really know what happens 
after we die. I don't think anybody does. Mm -hmm. But I think um, my perspective on it has really shifted in that I think we tend to see our lives here as the ones that like matter and are real yeah. and that anything after that that if there is an afterlife it's just I mean, people have different mm -hmm. beliefs but let's say heaven or hell and you just say go to a place and that's it and listen to harps or get burned I don't know <laughs> or that you know or that people pass on and suddenly they become enlightened and they can guide you through through your journey here on earth or which I don't think is true mm -hmm. you know or, or whatever it is but I think um, some of the main things that I've learned is that mm -hmm. they don't really consider themselves dead and they seem to still go through lessons and and soul lessons after they've crossed over and they seem to have less and less of an attachment to who they were in this lifetime wow. you know as as time goes on for us um, more and more and more although every spirit is different and just as every person is different but I think some really good you know resources mm -hmm. on this that are better I think than anything I could really say is the book Many Lives Many Masters by Brian Weiss because he he's a past life regression therapist and he started off as a traditional therapist actually and he accidentally mm -hmm. discovered um, past life regression therapy yeah. and he you know writes about case studies uh, with with someone who did a lot of past life regression therapy with him. Um, and so he's able to get a lot of information about what happens to our souls, you know, after we pass. Um, and another book that I would recommend, which I have to be honest, um, the whole, it's not that the whole thing resonates with me because there are some things I'm like, I don't know about this. Um, but I think it's a really good, like, start or something to think about. The book is called journey of souls and it is by michael newton and it's i'm going to read both of those books yeah <laughs> they're great and i think the point is that this lifetime is really just a microcosm in the soul's consciousness right. and so it's not like there's just this life and then the afterlife and that's it and have you ever done a session before uh yes i have i've done two past life regressions and i did one life between lives session. Oh, wow. What's the difference? So when you do a past life regression, you go into one past life on earth that you've had that your higher self feels, usually it's, you know, that your higher self feels is the most necessary for you to go back to and look at. Uh -huh. So like the, the one you feel that you were like most attached to, kind of? It could be that you're suffering from a particular issue in this lifetime that has to do with past life trauma. It could be that there's, you know, someone that you incarnated with in that life that'll explain, you know, certain dynamics that are going on in this life. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be any number of things. And a Life Between Lives session is more about you go into a past life the one that was right before mm -hmm. this one and then you go even further back you know or or you, it takes you through kind of your death in that life and then you go and you get to kind of live through and discover you know what it was like for you as a soul in between mm -hmm. that life and this one and so you might you know see things like you know, why you intended to incarnate into this lifetime and how lessons you were supposed to learn, you know, your your council of um, elders or as Brian Weiss likes to call them, the masters, which is really just uh, a council that 
of souls that 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 seems to be in charge of many souls at the same time and is responsible for helping us kind of choose what our you know how we're going to incarnate and things like that yeah and obviously you know i don't i'm not presenting this as absolute fact you know because we don't we don't really know obviously but it makes it's what's most resonant for me through my experience both just what i've learned from other people and what i've kind of experienced myself in my own connections that's really cool how long were these sessions probably depends but past life regression is maybe an hour or two mm-hmm and a life between lives session is longer than that. It's I think three to five hours. But the person who I know who does life between lives sessions, he requires people to um, have a past life regression therapy session with him first. Mm-hmm. Which I think makes sense. Do you want to share who you had yours with, and are they located in New York? Yeah, um, it's funny. I talk about him all the time, and I recommend him to everyone. And he's gonna think I'm stalking <laughs> him, but. Um, <laughs> He's a friend of mine, but his name is Travis Carrier, and he does sessions out of Minka, Brooklyn, uh, and, and maybe somewhere else, too. I'm not sure. I think maybe a few places, but yeah, so Travis mm-hmm. and then Carrier, C-A-R-R-I-E-R, and he's amazing. And then also, Travis, with Travis, it's really like what he does the most, but Manu is amazing as well, awesome. and um, you can find her on the Minka website as well. <laughs> yeah and I want to also shout out um, this has only come to light recently yes, but they need to raise a lot of money in order to stay open I, I don't know exactly what happened but it, it seems like uh, the well actually I do know because they wrote about it but um, the the landlord changed um, mm. the building now has a new landlord and the, uh, the other one kind of left with the deposit and so now this new landlord oh is requiring gosh. a $12,000 deposit uh, for them to keep the space. And so if you just Google um, Minka, M-I-N-K-A, Minka Brooklyn, um, mm-hmm. there's a GoFundMe. They're, we're hoping to raise a lot of money soon. It's a really special place. It's, it's POC-centered. You know, a lot of wellness spaces seem to be very white-centric, and it's really it's just really amazing that there's this kind of like community center and there's sliding scale Reiki, there's sliding scale acupuncture, sliding scale offerings. There's, you know, workshops that are centered around people of color. There was just, um, you know, a a healing retreat for, um, for black men um, and men of um, African descent. And, you know, it's it's really it's really a special place, and I think very necessary. So I'm I'm really hoping that you know the money can be raised so they could stay yeah. um, in plastic. I will plug that into the social media. That was also one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast because you have people from all walks of life from all over the world that has information, you know, and uh, so that that's really cool. Please send all listener stories to info at bdumpodcast.com.